We're just here hanging out at the house. This is a test test. The word of the Lord has come unto me and said, preach the good news to all creation. Arise and shine. It's time to awaken. So we're here. The enemy's attacking. Everyone feels sick, which means we're on the right track. We're doing the kingdom work. It always comes with resistance. So what is your word, honey? What's your encouraging word? This is the podcast, testing. Rise and shine, O church. Let the light of the light of the Lord shine upon you. Yeah. Mhm. There's a blessed hope. Everybody follow. All fear is gone. So today, I want to read a letter to you. This is a letter, uh, an email I got from a, a brother in Christ. He's a minister of the gospel. He preaches the gospel to millions of people all over the world. And he sent this letter to other leaders. I just want to read it to you. So he said this, as you well know, over the past few months, the entire world had to adjust to new lifestyles, being quarantined and isolated and confined. We've all experienced event cancellations, restaurant and businesses and schools are closing, all mandatory absences from the workplace. We've adjusted to going to church at home in our pajamas. Some of you did that, right, for a couple months. Even the stores that uh, remained open looked a lot different and entire sections of markets and shelves were emptied. But soon we discovered through this pandemic that we could live without a lot of things. The things that we once regarded as being necessary, we do not need. The truth is that many quickly found out that it is not a matter of life or death if we don't go out to dinner or see the latest movie or spring for that new uh, jacket. However, there's one thing we cannot live without under any circumstance, and that is hope. Amen? That is hope. He goes on to give a bunch of verses and encouragements. But this is, this is something so true in our world today. We need hope more than ever, guys. Amen? We need to understand what is the hope of our salvation. You see, we live in a world, guys, where we never needed hope more than today. Amen? There's, there's, as a church, we need hope in our hearts and we need hope in our gatherings. We've never seen such desperate times. We've never seen such despair as we do now. So many people are crippled by fear, crippled by this pandemic, losing jobs. Their dreams are being crushed. They're uncertain about the future. They're worried. They're overwhelmed. They're afraid. They're falling into depression and despair. And we never needed hope as much as we do now. Amen. And I know this is a message that will speak to many of you. So what, what is hope? I want to start there. I want to start with what is true hope? You know, in order to have hope, we must define and understand what true hope really means. So I'm calling it biblical hope. So before I, I dig into biblical hope, I want to say what, what it is not. Okay, what is hope not? See, true 
biblical or godly hope, it is not wishful thinking. It's not desiring something and hoping for something that may or may never come to pass. It's not what we do. You know what we do on our birthdays? How we say, uh, make a wish. All right, make a wish. You get, you know, we had like five birthdays back to back. First it was my daughter, then it was me, then my wife, then my, my mom, and then my son. And every time, you know, make a wish, make a wish. It's called wishful thinking, guys. Hoping good things, hoping good things will come. Oh man, I hope this day goes well. I hope I get that raise. I hope I don't get fired. I hope I don't lose my job in this pandemic. I hope I don't get sick. I hope I don't get coronavirus and die. I hope, I hope, I hope. And see, church, while none of those things are evil desires, none of those things are wrong, none of those things are true biblical hope. And why? Because those are all uncertainties. Hope is not based on uncertainties, guys. Hope is based on guarantees. Do you hear me? Hope is not based on uncertainties. It's based on guarantees. Promises that we have or that will surely come to pass. Amen? Amen. So any of those uncertainties can happen at any time that we just talked about. We're, we're promised nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in easy life, a simple life, a trialless, persecution-free life. It's nowhere in the Bible. Our best life is not now. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. All who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution, the word of God says. Jesus said, if you're my true disciple, the world hated me. The world will hate you. A servant is not greater than his master. Remember the words of our Lord? In the book of James, this was my coronavirus verse. If you guys didn't know, I had COVID-19. I'm clean, don't worry. Everyone start. Everyone's eyes just got big all of a sudden. The doors, the exit's right there. No, don't leave. I had COVID-19 a month ago. I got tested. I got tested positive. I got sick. I got through it. I got tested negative. I'm clean. I'm leprosy free, guys. You can let me back in the camp. Don't worry. I was a leper for like a month. But in that, in that time of trial, in that time of sickness and suffering, you know, you start doing the why me, Lord. And I got the verse, the Lord told me, go to James, read the book of James. James chapter 1. My brothers, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, patience, long-suffering. Let patience have its work in you so you may be mature and complete, lacking of nothing. Amen? Amen. That is what trials do to us guys the same things that crush the world strengthen the saints do you understand that guys james notice he said consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds not if it's a it's actually a certainty in this world you're gonna have tribulation don't don't be deceived guys don't don't be don't get into La La Land, spiritual Disney world. Come out of that little bubble. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a wake up caller. I'm a revivalist. I have to pop people's bubbles sometimes. Come out of that Disney world Christianity you live in. 
You will face trials of many kinds, guys. But the Word of God says, take joy, take heart. Where is our hope, guys? Where is our true hope? It is not in life's flimsy, changing circumstances, guys. It is in our God. Our hope is a firm foundation. So what is biblical hope? I want to define it. True biblical hope. I'm going to read this to you. Hope is, what is hope? It is not a wishy-washy, maybe kind of unsure optimism as the modern idea of hope is. Without any assurance, you can desire something without any assurance. In Scripture, the Hebrew and the Greek words that are translated from hope are kind of defined this way. A strong and confident expectation built on something that is firm. Isn't that interesting? Hope is a strong and confident expectation built on a firm foundation. That's the biblical, that's the Greek, that's the Bible's meaning of hope. So do you guys have that kind of hope? Do you guys have that firm foundation? I want to go further. I want to give you actually today, we're going to go through 10 different things, 10 different reasons why we have hope. But you see, we cannot... Understand this. You cannot just be hopeful for something that doesn't exist. You cannot have an assurance for something that is not a reality, guys. See, we have an assurance that God, uh, the things that God has already given us, okay, and we, we, the future things that are coming to pass, we, we have an assurance of His promises, we call them, right? His future plans, His holy word. I love what Hebrews calls it, like faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is the substance of your hope? What is the content of your hope? What is the object of your hope and faith? You see, we have a sure hope, guys. The substance of our hope or our faith is the person of God. And God is what gives His words substance. And His Word, His promises, is what gives our faith substance. And our faith is what gives our hope substance. Does that make sense? <laughs> you guys are scratching your head real quick. Hope is what gives our faith substance. See, you cannot... I'll explain it like this. You cannot be hopeful for something you do not even believe in. Why is, why is faith the substance of things hoped for? Because you cannot have hope and expectation and hope in something that you don't truly believe in. Amen? You must first believe in something, but you cannot just believe in something that does not have reality or existence or substance to it. Like I can believe all day long I got wings and I can fly, right? I have hope in my nice wings. The Lord created me angelically. I got these nice wings. But look, when I go and jump off of the tower... My hope's going to lead me straight to my grave, amen? I put hope in a uh, false hope, we call it. 
You cannot just put hope in anything. It's not wishful thinking. My wishful thinking will kill me. You see, Christ is the hope of our salvation. And He gives us the promises of God. And therefore, when we believe, our faith has substance in His promises. And we, when we have hope, our hope has substance. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I'm just going to read you a quote. Some of you guys love him. He's kind of an intellect. Sometimes I read his stuff. I'm like, what is he talking about? Other times it just clicks, you know. So I read this. C.S. Lewis said, Hope is one of the greatest Christian uh, virtues. It is, continue, it is a continual believing in the eternal word and a continual looking to the eternal world. You hear that? It's not a form of escapism or wishful thinking as modern society puts it, but it is one of the things by nature that a true believer is meant to do. Hope. It does not mean we are to leave this present world as it is and do nothing. As you find in history, you will find this in history, that the people who did the most for this present world were the people who thought the most about the next one. Isn't that powerful? That was C.S. Lewis. He's a deep thinker. I always hated that statement, you know, don't, don't, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. It's so unbiblical. I mean, I get it. There's people who just want to be monks and like go up in the mountains and just sing Kumbaya and pray all day until the Lord's return. And they're kind of useless on earth. I get it. That's kind of where that theme came from. But the Bible doesn't say don't be heavenly minded. The Bible says the opposite. It says, be so heavenly minded that you're earthly incredible. Be so heavenly minded. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind where Christ is seated. Do not uh, get caught up in the affairs of this world. And then you will be effective in the world. Amen. You'll be more useful to God because you'll be able to usher in his kingdom to the earth. Amen. You see, we are not to be earthly minded, guys. We have to have hope in something greater. I'm going to go through 10 things now. I'm going to go right. I'm going to just start blazing a trail here. I hope you guys can follow me. Get your notes out. If you take notes, if you like writing stuff, I want to give you 10 things that the Christian, the child of God, the true born again believer can put their hope in. 10 biblical uh, certainties, I want to call it. But first of all, I want to say this. This is our hope, guys. The word of God is firm. The word of the Lord endures forever. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This book is alive. It's a sharp, double-edged sword. It is the word of the living God. And what gives this book substance is God himself. You see, if God did not exist, this book would have no meaning. If God did not speak these words through the Holy Spirit and through his prophets, this book would be another empty thing full of empty pages, like all the others in the library. Of reading of books, there's no end. Solomon wrote that. Of reading of many books, there's no end. Books are full of a bunch of stuff, man. This would just be an empty book full of a bunch of stuff. But because God is who he is, and he spoke these words... We can put hope in these words. Is that my background music? Yeah. <laughs> it's bad to the bone. Uh, 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 uh. It's bad. Don't no, man, I'm telling you, this book is. See, the Lord had to confirm what I was saying, you know. 
Anyway, the Word of God, guys. We, we, I've been so convicted lately. This thing is our sword, you know? And the Lord's been speaking to me. You got to take, as the armor of God is, is something the Lord has given us to cover us, to protect us, right? But there's one weapon. There's one weapon we have against the enemy and his devices and his lies and deceptions. And it is the sword, the sword of the Spirit. And the Lord's been convicting me to take this thing out. You know, a lot of Christians, we have our, we're like, we're like the soldiers covered in the armor, in the army of the Lord. And we got our sword and it's nice and tucked away in our little holster. But it's the time, guys. It's the time to rise. It's the time to take this thing out. Of its, we got to get the word of God out of its uh, sheave, whatever you call that, and we got to use it. We got to learn how to yield this thing. I want to give you today ten promises found in the Bible, in Scripture, that we can put our hope in. You guys ready? Number one, we have hope in God, the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh. And I don't say that name lightly. The mighty one, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke and the worlds came into existence, Hebrews 11, 2. By faith, we believe that he spoke and the power of his word created everything we see. The one who has all power, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's almighty, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the God of heaven, he's the Lord of earth. He's the lion and the lamb. We can have hope in the true and the living God. Do you understand that, guys? I, I, I preach the gospel all over the world. Do you ha understand how many people have a false hope? How many people worship a false God? We serve the true and the living God. Amen? The true and the living God. Have hope, guys. Have hope in God. He knows you. He's a father. He knows your name. He knows every thought, every concern and care. He knows every need you have. And all his children, I love the verse when Jesus said, all his children he holds in the palm of his hand. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, my sheep, the father holds them and no one, no one can snatch them out. Don't give the devil more power than he has. Satan can't snatch you out of the Father's hand. COVID can't snatch you out of the Father's hand. Man, what, what is wrong with us today, guys? We've become, we've lost hope. Jesus said, no one is greater than my Father. Do you believe that? We know these verses. This is Christianity 101, but, it's, it's, but when the tests come... Do you believe no one is greater than your Father who is in heaven? No one. Man, I just feel the Holy Spirit on those words. It's His own words. Jesus said it. Not me. So many people are afraid to die. And I'm talking Christians. Listen, guys. I'm not saying don't be cautious and go lick toilet bowls like the teenagers out there. Having corona parties. They're going to bars. You know, corona party. You know, the world makes a party out of everything. I'm not saying be foolish. But if you live, it's Christ. And if you die, it's gain. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm like, Lord, take me up. I'm ready. I mean, I have kids. You know, I don't want to leave right away. But we got to be ready, guys. Amen? Amen. We shouldn't fear death. Death has no more sting. Death has no more victory. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Number two, we have hope because Jesus died for us. This is a certain and a sure fact. Jesus Christ, the word of God became a man and he came and he died on a cross. He died for the sins of the world. He died for you and I. Jesus Christ, the son of God, became the son of man and he came to earth through the virgin birth. Am I rapping? And he gave his life for the sins of the world. He died for you. Listen, guys, this is something you got to grasp. I have one son. I have two children. I have one son. Many of you have children, sons, daughters. I have one son. I, I grasp this now when I hold my boy. He just turned one years old yesterday. His birthday party's today after church. Pray for him. He's going to be a mighty tool in the Lord's hand. Johan, Isaiah. He, we named him after John the Baptist. It's the Finnish word for John. But I hold this boy in my hand. And I see my only begotten son. My only son. It's, it's my only son. And I love him. And I cherish him. And I cannot imagine sacrificing him to a brutal, the most brutal, painful form of death and punishment in the world's history for, for someone else. Not because he did anything wrong. I cannot imagine doing that for any of you. I wouldn't do it. I don't love you guys as much as I love him. I love you, but not that much. You know? No one has this love of God. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Do you understand? Jesus was God's only Son. He had no sons. He had angels. He had fallen angels, demons. He had servants. He had kings in the Old Testament. He had prophets. He had no sons. He had no daughters. He had no family till he sent his only begotten son to bring many sons to glory. Amen. Is that hopeful, church? Does that give you hope? Yes. On a hill far away, I've just, oh, I, I didn't get a bunch of verses. I got all these songs. It was weird. As I was preparing this, I just got songs. If you guys want to sing them, I'm not the worship leader, but I'm just going to read them. Remember the old rugged cross? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. How we love that old cross, where the dearest and best died for us, and a world of lost sinners was slain. Okay, I can't sing, I told you. <laughs> you guys know it. The Lamb of God who died and was slain. For a world of lost sinners. We can hope in Him. He takes away the sins of the world. We can trust in Him. Are you trusting in Christ today? Have you put your hope in Him? I'm talking to everyone here, everyone online, everyone who's going to hear this on podcast. Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you clung to the old rugged cross today? Cling to the old rugged cross. Because if you let it go, you're going to slip right into eternity damned. But if you hold fast to it, you're going to enter the gates of heaven washed white as snow. Amen. The old rugged cross. The blood of Jesus. He is the way. The only way to the Father. 
Number three, we have hope that Jesus has forgiven all of our sins. If you have put your trust and faith and hope in Jesus Christ, the word of the Lord says you have been washed and you have been cleansed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Either we are washed clean and white as snow or God's a liar. Which one is it? We have hope. I know what your, your circumstances tell you. I know what your heart, your heart can even condemn you, as does mine at times. Satan, the accuser of the brethren. We have a devil, an adversary, and an enemy who constantly lies. Reminders of the past. Me and my family have been getting crazy dreams, crazy attacks, demonic spirits, familiar spirits telling us about our past. All of us. And we're like, you are a liar, Satan. Family members, friends, it's crazy. It's a satanic war you're in, guys. Trying to tell you who you once were. The Bible says, yes, you were once a sinner. You were once lost. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. But glory be to God, because Jesus Christ, He sent forth His Son. You have redemption, forgiveness of sins. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and burdens He bears. Oh, what a privilege to carry everything to Him in prayer. Amen? Amen. It's another old hymn. They just kept coming. I don't know. I hope this encourages someone. That's all. Sometimes, you know, I think there's really two weapons in the kingdom. The only place I could find, you know, like offensive. The, the armor is defensive. The only two really like offensive things I've found that you attack the enemy with is the word of God. We all know that. But I mean, it's praise, man, is the other one. I mean, there was a season in my life where I had lost all hope. I mean, all hope was lost. And I was a Christian. I was a Christian. I had lost all hope. I mean, I was ready. I was ready to just end my life. I didn't even care if I lived. I didn't even care. I, I, I failed God. I blew, I blew it. I messed up. I'm talking, this was uh, in my younger days, man. But I had lost so much hope. I couldn't even open the word. I couldn't pray. I was just empty. And the Lord said, put on the praise. See, you could, you could take, you know, the, the easiest way, just take the word of God and smack that devil. He'll flee. If that don't work, just start praising. David, you know, the place I found it in the Bible was when Saul was being tormented by the enemy, right? And David just started praising God. Saul's throwing spears at him. He just kept the guitar in his hand. Oh, dodging, you know. He must have had some boxing classes or something, but he was good. He just, I mean, you know, as a worship leader, you, you better get ready for spears, eh? If you're a pastor, a leader, get ready to get some spears thrown at you, but you better keep praising. And he overcame that enemy that was tormenting Saul. So songs are very important in the Christian faith. If you're hopeless, if you're feeling depressed, you're full of despair, start praising God, man. Put on worship. Whatever devil's in your house, he'll get out. You know, trust me. He can't stand it. That's what they left. They chose to leave the place where God was praised and worshipped and songs were being sung. So when you start singing worship to God, they just get irritated. You know, they just get irritated. They can't handle it. We have hope, number four, because Jesus is alive. As sure as He died... He has been risen. And because Christ is risen, we have hope above all men. Amen, church. He's alive. He's risen. 
We have, the Bible calls our hope a blessed hope, a sure hope, a living hope, an eternal hope. These are the words that our hope is defined as. We have a living hope. He's alive. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then we are to be pitied above all men. If Christ did not come out of the grave, he died for us. We know that. According to history, we, we know the fact of the crucifixion happened. The reality of the cross happened. But do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in the power of God that after three days Jesus rose again? I went to Jerusalem. I went to Israel years ago with my wife. We got there to the tomb, the empty tomb. I thought I would have some spiritual encounter with an angel. You know, something would happen. You know, the, the mighty Lord would appear. The rocks would cry. You know, the earth would shake something. Nothing quite. I just stood in the tomb. And I said, where is he? He's gone. And I walked out and I'm like, where's my divine encounter, Lord? He said, you already believed. Not, not, I went all the way to Israel to go to the empty tomb and nothing happened. You know what I mean? Like I just wasted my money. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. He said, you already believed. Long before you came here and saw this empty tomb, I said, you're right. <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't need to see it. Believing. Faith. Notice how none of these things, guys, Paul, let me go back and finish this point and then I'll, I'll, I'll make note of this. Paul said, you know, if Christ was not risen, we have no hope. Do you understand that, guys? But he said, surely he has been risen. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Do you know that the resurrection changes everything? Everything. Billy Graham said, you know, the old evangelist who went to be with the Lord. He said, for the believer, there is hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. The gates of heaven are open. Death has been defeated. We will not. The word death is not even used for Christians anymore. It actually calls it sleep. We're going to just close our eyes like we're going to bed. As soon as you take your last breath, whew, you're in the glory. There's no more. You, you, don't, what are you fearing about death? There isn't actually a death for you. You're going to close your eyes and like a blink in the eye. You're going to blink and open and you're in heaven. You're in glory to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's hope, guys. Come on. We have hope that we're united with Christ and his Holy Spirit. Number five, the Bible says we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You, your life, your body, and your soul belongs to God. That's in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, Do you not know, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave now dwells and lives in you as a believer, if you are a true believer. You have fellowship with God the Father. You have relationship with Jesus the Son. And you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. The God Himself, the Spirit of God is not a ghost. He's not a wind. He's not a force. He is God. He's the very essence and person of God Himself. What is your spirit? It's the core essence of who you are. It is you. The Spirit of God, the first place you see Him in Genesis Chapter 1, you see the Trinity right there. And God, in the beginning, there was God, Yahweh. 
And then he spoke the word of God, Jesus, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. That word, it literally means the spirit of Yahweh. The internal presence of God. I mean, it's hard to even understand. And he lives in us. He's with us. It's unbelievable. Number six, we have hope in the future plans that God has for our lives. Here's where it gets good, guys. Here's where it gets deeper. Well, I don't know how much deeper you can go than what we just talked about, but... No matter what we go through in our life on this earth, God's plans are good. Although He doesn't promise us our best life now, although He doesn't promise us every good thing we desire, He does promise His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Amen? His goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And I get it. I get it, guys. This is all like basic believer 101. You learn this in, you know, since since kindergarten church, right? But what happens when you face trials of many kinds? What happens? What happens when you lose the job? What happens when you lose your spouse or your mother or father or family? Or even worse, when the ones you love betray you and despise you? and turn against you even for doing righteousness and for Christ's sake. What happens? Can you weather those storms? Do you still have hope? Do you still trust in God's goodness, His plans that will prevail? You know, it's so easy, so easy to say, I have hope when all is well. It's so easy to worship and praise and and sing hallelujah, praise the Lord when all is well. Is it not? It's easy. When the bank account is full, you can't remember the last time you saw a doctor. You don't have a fiery trial hitting you right now. Or you can't remember even when the last time it was a serious trial hit you. It's very easy to say all is well with my soul. But what if? What if there be no cattle in the stall? What if there be no wheat in the barn, so to speak? Can you still say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? I still have 10,000 reasons to bless his holy name. Let me ask you guys, honestly, honestly, everyone listening, everyone watching, this is serious. This is the question God put in my heart to test if we truly have hope in him. If God, Abba Father, our good father today, permitted unto you what happened to Job. Like, like, you see where it's getting serious now? Like if God let Satan literally off the leash in your life and he said you can touch everything in that person's life, everything, but you cannot kill them. Every dollar was gone. You woke up, every dollar was gone. Everything you ever worked for, crushed. Every dream you ever had, crushed. When you reach out to your friends, they every one of them turns on you. Every relationship goes sour. And the only one left, your wife, is cursing you and telling you to die. <laughs> you lose everything. Everything. 
your health smashed, your dreams crushed, your children killed, all your blessings stolen, would you bless the Lord? Would you actually still have eternal hope? You see, that shows you that your hope is in earthly circumstances, not in the eternal God. That shows us, listen, you think I'm not being tested? I just went through a season where everything in my life was shaken. I went through one of the hardest years of my life. One of the most blessed, one of the most difficult. That was Job's test, guys. Will you still bless him? Ask yourself today, will you still say, the Lord is good? You might say, whoa, 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 wait, preacher, the good, the good father, you know, he would never allow that, you know, he wouldn't allow that in my life, right? He would, I mean, come on, he's a good father, right? He's a good, I mean, he wouldn't allow that. He doesn't give us more than we can bear. He allowed it with Job. He allowed it with Paul. He allowed it with so many. We could go down the list. Paul, do you understand that the hero, let me just hit this, guys. I know I'm, this is getting deep, but Paul the apostle, he is our hero of the faith. Do you know how he died? Do you know what they thought of him in history? They thought he was an abandoned apostle. They thought he was a false apostle because of all his sufferings. That's why he wrote 2 Corinthians. They thought, this guy, how could God be with him? He preaches and all he gets is beatings and imprisonments and sufferings and trials. I don't know anyone who suffered more than Job except maybe Paul. And the whole church abandoned him. When Paul was in prison, I went to his jail in Rome, the cell they held him in. It was like a dungeon. When Paul was awaiting to be beheaded, he wrote the letter to Timothy. He said, everyone has abandoned me. The great apostle Paul, all the churches he planted, all the people he loved. He said, I long for you like my dear children. They abandoned him. He was considered a forsaken man, just like Jesus. When they nailed him to the cross, they considered him afflicted, smitten by God and abandoned. Because they didn't understand God's plan. They thought, how could, how could he be the son of God? Look at the suffering he's going through. Look at what God is allowing in his life. If he were a righteous man, he would not be on the cross. That is for thieves and murderers. He must be like one of us. Take yourself down then if you're the son of God. Oh no, God had a greater plan. Satan, look at you, Job. God doesn't love you. God is not faithful. He just let everything be taken from you. Can you withstand you see, for the joy that was set before Christ, he endured the cross. What happens is this, guys. If we lose our eternal perspective and we lose sight of God, we will lose hope. Job said, I will not curse the Lord and die. I will bless the Lord and die. <laughs> Amen. He, he was miserable. He, he, Satan wanted him to curse God in that moment, which he did not do. But he did lose hope. And I'll tell you why. Because Job didn't have the understanding of the kingdom yet. He didn't have the eternal perspective yet of how all these things were going to work out. He lost hope. Job cursed the day of his birth. 
Job was miserable, man. Job was depressed. He never cursed God. He was faithful in that area, but he lost hope. Am I speaking to someone today? He said, I will bless the Lord and then I'll die. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to curse him and die. But Job is an example. See, church, our hope has to truly be in the Lord. This is not a condemnation. This is not a, a rebuke even. This is a wake-up call. This is just a wake-up call, guys. I'm going through it, trust me. My faith has been tested with fire lately. Do I have true hope? Do we have true hope? When the world is going mad, do you believe God is still in control? Notice how none of these things are even visible, right? None of this stuff we're talking about is visible. We believe in a God we can't see, in a Jesus we never met, in a kingdom we've never been to, in a spirit who lives in us who we can't feel or touch. I mean, none of these things are visible. That's why faith is so crucial in the Christian life. I'm going to go through and end the list here. But faith, which we're going to talk about next week, must, it is the reality, the, the substance of things hoped for. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you cannot believe in these things that God has for you. So if you don't have faith or you have some, but you're doubting, you're struggling, pray. Ask the Lord, give me the gift of faith. I want to believe. We have hope that all this world full of toils and snares, God's grace will enable us to overcome. No matter what we face, no matter what battle, His amazing grace will help us. If you lean on the everlasting arms, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, someone sing it. I'm not that old. I don't even remember these songs. Come on. I'm trying to bring this, these, these saints back to life here, Lord. Help me. Baptize them with fire. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. We're going to go through stuff, guys, in this world. But the amazing grace that saved us will bring us through every toil and snare, like the old song says. Number eight, we have hope. That no matter how long these battles last or troubles we have here, they will not last forever. They will end, guys. Do you understand that? These things will come to an end. All these sufferings has a purpose, but the suffering will end. Am I speaking to someone online? Am I speaking to someone here? Your suffering is going to end. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a day as sure as the sun rises. Sorrow and weeping may endure for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Hope will arise. And I just prayed in Jesus' name right now, hope in this place. That the Holy Spirit would fill us with hope. Your trials will come to an end. Where's Paul right now, guys? Where's Paul, the suffering apostle? He's in the glory. Where's Job? He's in the glory. Where's Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but the Bible says, blessed are the broken. Listen, I minister to miserable and broken people. 
That was my that was my job for seven years. Miserable and broken people. And sometimes in order to find real true hope, you gotta just lose it, man. You gotta lose all your little earthly hopes and all your little earthly dreams. God has to allow things to be crushed for hope, true hope to arise. Nine, God will never leave us, forsake us. No matter how many battles we fight, face, sufferings, afflictions, God will never leave you. Do you know that is the greatest promise we have on earth? That's the greatest promise we have here. There's a lot more promises coming there. The greatest one we have here is God will never leave us or forsake us. No matter where you go, what you go through, God is with you. You know, you know that that's the most given command in the whole Bible, the most repetitive command throughout the whole scripture. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. The Lord your God is with you. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. As I was with Joshua, so will I be with you. Jesus said, go preach the gospel to all creation. Make disciples of all nations and I will be with you. It's repeated over and over so many times. It's the most given command and encouragement in the Bible. Do you believe that he's with you today? And finally, guys, we have hope in his second coming. Number 10. Guys, we have to remember that as sure as Jesus Christ came the first time, he physically left heaven, came to this earth. We have to know that he is surely coming back again. He is surely coming back again. He said three times in the last chapter of the Bible, surely I'm coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Be ready, I'm coming quickly. Surely, surely, surely I say unto you. It was a verily, verily, it was a repetitive word because he wants us to get it. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to know it and believe it. The last chapter of the Bible, read it. Revelation 22. In the last red letters, the last words that Jesus himself spoke. Surely I'm coming quickly. Surely I'm coming again. You see, guys, what the world is afraid of, we embrace. The world has their own kingdom. The world has their own plan. And they're saying, no, no, postpone his coming. We don't want his coming. We're saying, yes, come back, Lord. What they hate, we love. What they despise, we receive with gladness. What they run from, we run to. We have eternal hope. We have a hope in Jesus, the one who is coming again. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to end every injustice. He's going to put a stop to this evil, wicked generation. Do you guys see what is happening? They're trying to legalize pedophilia. My God, have mercy on us. Jesus, come soon. He's going to smite that stuff. Go read Psalm chapter 2. He's going to break the nations with a rod of iron. He's going to crush the wicked. He's going to put an end to evil once and for all. And he's going to throw Satan in the lake of fire forever. Amen. Come alive, church. Receive this hope. It is a sure hope. This is not words of man. This is the word of God. He said, one day I'm going to come. I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. You will be with me. I will be your God. 
You will be my people, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be sorrow or crying or pain anymore, for the former things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. And then he said, John, write these words, for surely they will come to pass. I know what you feel. I know what you're going through. We're humans. We're on the wrong side of eternity right now. We're on the dark side of it anyway. But he said, surely these things will come, John. Write them. They're coming. The promises of the Lord are yes and amen. And they're found in Jesus Christ. God is not a liar. He will not be mocked. He will not be stopped. I was talking to my mom, my family. I'm trying to encourage them with hope. Everyone, the Christians, they got groups now. And they're just full. You know, we started one. And then we just started doing the same thing. You know, putting all the bad news on there. And everyone's just getting overwhelmed. Everyone's getting, I mean, she got a woman, bunch of women in a group full of, you know, like godly women who should be hopeful. And they're all like despairing. What do we do now? The world, the sky is falling. And I said, listen. The, the plans of the Lord shall prevail. Satan is on a leash, guys. Evil has not been, uh, evil has a limit to it. And when he comes back, he's going to put an end to it. God is coming back. coming his his horse the 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 people who are gifted in the area of prophecy everyone's seeing it everyone across the world this is how you know when the spirit is speaking because the word of god says it and the prophets are seeing the white horse getting ready the 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 trumpet sound is getting getting louder and the angels are gathering and the saints are gathering why do you think this happened guys to to the, the the whole pandemic the whole trial on the whole earth, it was to bring the body of Christ together. It was to get his people. It was to sift out the chaff and to bring in the wheat. It was to sift out the goats and to bring in the sheep. It was to wake up the body and unite us and get us ready for the coming of our Lord. And we would put aside all of our agendas and plans. You know what was funny? A few years ago, and I'll end with this. Every church you went to, they had their own vision. They had like their own agenda. Well, we're doing this, and we got this, you know, and the Lord spoke to us about this, and, you know, everyone had in their own agenda. Now it seems like we're all like, what do we do now, you know? We're all needy again. We're all, we're all, we can't, we can't rely on what we used to. We're all stuck, and that's good. I was talking to my brother, maybe he's watching. I said, bro, what is God calling you to do? I said, what is God calling you to do? We're in the last days. He said, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I'm willing. I said, that's the best place to be. Because if you're willing, God will use you. If you think you have it all together, humble yourself. We need to be broken. We need to be humble. We need to be ready. And, and we need to come together and let the Holy Spirit of God fall afresh on us. That the last day's church, if He returns in our lifetime, if He does, he said this, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? We're going to pray now. Just give me one second. Is that you today? Are you the one he's saying, will I, will I find you being faithful? 
If Jesus came back yesterday, what would you have been doing? What were you doing yesterday around this time? If Jesus came back Friday, what were you doing? What were you doing Friday night? There's not too many young people in the crowd here, so I hope no one was at the club. But will we be found faithful when he returns? He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a people that love him. No one's going to go into heaven by force. People are going to be cast into outer darkness by force. He's going to thrust them out into outer darkness. But the king is coming back for his bride. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you humbled, grateful, thankful. King of glory. King of majesty. I want to be found faithful. I want to be ready. I pray, Lord, I pray for everyone watching, everyone listening. As we close this service, God, I do pray and ask that you will awaken those, Father, who are listening. That you will shake the dust off of your bride. That you will purify our hearts, O God, as if it be through fire. That you will give us true hope. Let us not lose hope in these last days, Father. Let us not lose sight of who you are. Let us not get caught up in the despair of this age, in the depression of this generation. I pray for hope right now, Father. I believe your Holy Spirit is going to touch people and renew hope and restore hope. Hope that was stolen. There's someone watching that was stolen. The, the joy and the hope that you once had in Christ was stolen from you. But I pray the Lord will restore it back to you double like Job. Whatever the enemy took. God, hope is our virtue. Hope is a Christian virtue that we all need. Especially right now. I pray that the world will see, Father, a church full of hope. That the world will see a church full of love and hope, God. They're, they're hopeless. Let us be a, a refuge of hope for those who are lost. God, strengthen the feeble knees. Encourage the brokenhearted and give hope to the hopeless. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, for your glory. Amen.